Wayland, XCB, Xlib, Mir. Those are a lot of terms you hear a lot in the Unix realm. What's happening here? This podcast isn't about window managers and the way to make one, though we might record one in the future. It's more about the architectural differences between the different ways of interacting with the system to display graphics, be it by interacting with other layers such as X11 or higher or by directly drawing them on the screen. That's what we're gonna see. It's really not about how to use the functions and the technicalities and intricacies of every one of those terms and libraries, softwares we're gonna mention. We might do that, but again, it will be the subject of another episode. This one will only be about an introduction or general overview of those libraries and uh, softwares, X11, Xlib, Xcb, Wayland, Mir, etc. What are they? What are the differences between them and what is there to know? Why this matters? I'm Vinyam and you're listening to The Nexus Podcast. Okay, let's go over what is what and what they do. Unlike many other operating systems, in the free Unix realm there is something called a display server that is separate from the graphical environment the user usually interacts with. This is something that surprises many of the newcomers to Unix that uh, there is a layer that communicates with the display and that doesn't draw the widgets on the screen at the same time. It doesn't have the same function. It only defines protocol and graphics primitive. It has no specification for application user interface design. This premise implies that the graphical environment isn't enforced on the user. It's malleable and customizable. So what's this display server thing? What's its purpose? Let's go through the boring wiki definition. A display server or window server is a program whose primary task is to coordinate the input and output of its client to and from the rest of the operating system, the hardware and each other. The display server communicates with its clients over the display server protocol, a communication protocol which can be network transparent or simply network capable. The display server is a key component of any graphical user interface, specifically the window system. As a simple definition, the display server is the layer that sits between the kernel and the graphical interface. The kernel communicates with the hardware through the drivers for the specific graphic cards. The window manager communicates with the display server and tells it how and what to draw on the screen and let the user interact with it. With that in mind, we can define what each software is. X11, Wayland and Mir are implementations of display servers. Xlib and Xcb are libraries implementing the client side of the X11 display server protocol. Why the need of client? Because we're talking about the server-client architecture, and a server needs client that interfaces with, with it at some point. And that's what those are, Xlib and Xcb. There is also even a higher abstraction layer, which we won't discuss here, but that specializes in the widgets. They give a bunch of building blocks 
such as buttons, text inputs, in a cohesive and coherent manner. It has the same style everywhere. So let's name a few of those as reference. GTK plus FLTK, TK, SDL, QT. Now, you know what is what, but what's the difference between, between them? Why so many of those? Now, what are the big differences? Why are there many of those? What are the advantages of one against the other? And to do that, we're gonna deal with uh, every one of them one by one and explain what's their purpose and what's sitting behind the idea. Let's go and start with X11 or also called X or also called the X windowing system, which is a display server or graphical server, as we've said. So what's particular about it? X11. X11 is the oldest display manager that is still alive today. All its predecessors are deprecated now. The first versions were made in 1984 at MIT. X provides a framework for drawing and moving windows on the screen. And also, it's important to note that interacting with the mouse and touchscreen and keyboard is also integrated inside X. X provides no native support for audio though. Several projects exist to fill this niche, some also providing transparent network support for audio. The big idea behind X11 is the following. X is an architecture independent system for remote graphical user interfaces and input device capabilities. Each person using a network terminal has the ability to interact with the display with any type of user input device. So sort of like the Unix system is multi-user and can be accessed throughout the network, just like terminals connecting to the mainframe or SSH. The X11 is a server that clients connect to and are able to display graphics on the screen as a client. It doesn't matter if the program is local or not, and it made sense at that time where computing power was scarce and it mostly still does. X was made with that in mind. It has network transparencies and it's made to be used over the network. And what are thin clients anyway nowadays? Chrome OS and, and those things, they are the same thing, thin clients. And software as a service is the the same concept but uh, on steroids. However, by by default the connection between the client and the X server for X is not encrypted but fortunately if you run uh, the connection between the clients and server through an SSH session it becomes wrapped inside an encrypted packets so it doesn't really matter. With that you obviously you obviously have the network overhead of transporting the packets. To counter that, X uses uh, the Unix domain sockets for efficient connections that are on the same host. So if you're using X on the same host, it's still using packets, but it's uh, optimized using Unix domain sockets. Now let's go into a bit of more details about the architecture. Cli clients connect to the X servers. The X server communicates and interface with the OS kernel to get events from the hardware, the keyboards, mouse, etc. The 
have dev event device and to tell the screen what to display. The window manager then communicate with the X server to manipulate windows. It's always the X server, in fact, that does move the window. And the window manager just asks the X server to do those things. Now, this is a pretty much straightforward uh, idea. But the big thing to remember here is that the communication between X and the hardware isn't direct. It goes through the kernel to, to be able to act on the hardware. It has drivers. You can get both 2D and through extension like GLX 3D operation on the client applications. The X server has to handle those with the kernel in the middle. It obviously knows how to accelerate operations if the kernel has a driver for the GPU and can accelerate it. So those are sort of like extension that you add. Now, what's the deal with Wayland? Wayland. Wayland is a protocol and only a protocol. It essentially is a standardized way in which a compositor, the thing that draws the windows, handles the input, etc., can speak to individual programs and vice versa. There are many impl implementations of that protocol and they are called Wayland compositors. The most popular or referenced implementation of this protocol is the Western compositor. When you hear someone say that they switch to Wayland, it probably means that they switch to the Wayland compositor they, they're currently using. The protocol is a description of asynchronous object-oriented actions. There are objects living inside the compositor and the clients interface or interact with them by doing requests on the compositors. Each client is assigned a different ID and cannot interact with other clients. Now let's note that the protocol doesn't specify at all the rendering API. It does something called direct rendering in which the client must render the window contents to a buffer shareable with the compositor. The client chooses how to render itself with the help of high-level libraries such as GTK, Qt, Caro for font and all the free types, font rendering, etc, etc. So basically you need to understand here that there's a delegation of roles. It's the role of the widget library to adhere to the Wayland protocol and for the application to use those widget libraries. As we've said, each client is assigned a separate ID. And the reason behind that is isolation. Uh, Wayland was designed, the protocol Wayland was designed from the ground up to isolate clients from each other. There is no shared coordinate space. Wayland clients cannot snoop on each other's input or inject fake inputs events. They can't draw on each other windows or cover up windows with fake replicas. All of these things and many other exploits are possible for malicious X clients and the X word because the X protocol wasn't designed for untrusted clients. This makes Wayland a much better choice of display protocol when sandboxing untrusted application. That was one reason of why to move from something different than X as the display server. But what are the other differences and critiques of uh, X11 and the motivation for building Wayland? I'm gonna quote a GNOME or GNOME developer talking about Wayland. Quote unquote. 
A lot of infrastructure has moved from the X server into the kernel, memory management, comment scheduling, mode setting, etc. Or libraries, Caro, Pixman, FreeType, FontConfig, Pango, etc. And there is very little left that has to happen in the central server process. An X server has a tremendous amount of functionality that you must support to claim to speak the X protocol. Yet nobody will ever use this. This includes code tables, glyph rasterization and caching, XLFD, and the entire code rendering API that lets you draw stipple lines, polygons, wide arcs, and many more. State of the 1980s style graphic primitives. For many things, we've been able to keep the x.org server modern by adding extension such as xr&r, xrender, and composite. With Wayland, we can move the X server and all of its legacy technology to an optional code path, getting to a point where the X server is a compatibility option instead of the core rendering system. The other concern is that the X stack has grown way too much over the years. It has got a lot, lot of background and it, it has no grown to encompass functionality arguably belonging to the client libraries, helper libraries, or the host operating system kernel. Uh, that argument says that the thing that the X system is doing now could be done at another level, another layer. And at the same time, the X architecture still tries to keep up with all the new technology that are going on and all the new uh, the new libraries and extension and rendering and everything. So it's it's the argument mainly says that uh, it's uh, mixing too many things that it shouldn't do in the first place. And Wayland, the focus is mainly on graphic device driver. It's about rendering on the screen and only that. And it uses the EGL, OpenGL, OpenVG layer. Mesa 3D, it's all about composition, which NX was done by an extension. And in Wayland, they want to remove all the baggages that X took over the years and that the clients handle the, the whole rest or everything else. Now let's go into some differences. Unlike X, Wayland is not built with network transparency in mind. It's not made for the network. It's more towards segregation and security, as we've said, Clients cannot snoop each other's and they all have separate process space ID. Moreover, the X implementation of the ICCCMP interprocess communication is not available in Wayland. Another difference, unlike X, Wayland compositors are at the same time the display server and the compositor and the role of the window manager. So the Wayland compositor is the window manager and the display server at the same time. And X, if you remember, they all are separate. You have the display server and the window manager, which moves the window. However, you could, in theory, create a Wayland compositor that can have this feature that sits down like the X server sits down and, and a window manager connects to it. Another thing to keep in mind is that Wayland doesn't handle inputs. It's the role of the compositor to do so. Uh, X does handle inputs. The compositor can use libraries such as libinput uh, lib to provide generic input drivers. And let's note that there's something called X Wayland 
which is an X11 server running right inside a Wayland compositor. It lets applications that aren't able to be rendered on Wayland to, to work correctly. Mir. Let's discuss Mir. Mir is the canonical thing. Mir is a computer display server for the Linux operating system and it's currently in development by Canonical, which is a corporation. It is planned to replace the currently used X window system for Ubuntu and Ubuntu only. And Canonical always want to do their own stuff. Mir is also built with EGL layer composition thing in mind. It uses XWayland for the X11 compatibility layer and uses Jola's libhybrid2 for the EGL implementation. And other parts of Mir are based on the Android input stack. And other things are new. But let's say it again, the only desktop environment with native support for Mir is Canonical's Unity 8. First in 2010, Canonical announced that it would use Wayland instead of Xorg from now on. However, they stated that uh, Wayland could not meet their needs because there was a lot of objection and clarification by developers leading the projects around Wayland. And why is that? It was because they didn't agree with their views on Wayland, uh, so they made their own. And the main argument was about inputs. Canonical wanted to include input events handling inside the display server protocol, which as we've said, is not part of the Wayland. They are now using the Android input stack instead of uh, using Wayland and they incorporated it inside Mir. And Mir was criticized a lot for its licensing and other stuff. And unlike Wayland and X11, which are under the MIT license, Mir is licensed under GPL v3. But it has a specific new clause, which is contribu contributors are required to sign an agreement that grants Canonical the right to relicense your contribution under their choice of license. And this means that despite not being the sole copyright holder, Canonical are free to relicense your code under a proprietary license. So you end up with a situation that looks awfully like Canonical wanting to squash competition by making it impossible for anyone else to sell modified versions of Canonical software in the same market. So they basically appropriated themselves the code of other developers. Let's go to the other side, the client side, we're going to discuss how clients do their stuff. And let's start with Wayland. The client windows and Wayland don't interact with the compositor directly. The widget library does so. That's it. You're pretty much forced to use a widget library or to have to re-implement the Wayland protocol yourself inside your uh, program. Rendering of font and everything etc. However, remember that Wayland is a protocol. All the compositors implement this protocol. So once a widget library supports the protocol, it will be working in all the Wayland compositors. Xlib and Xcb are both library to use 
to write code that interfaces with the Excel event server. They are the helper layer that clients use instead of implementing all the specifications and communication of the Excel event server. They just include the library and call functions of the Xlib or XCB. It would be awkward for application to spit raw X protocol. Most graphical applications don't use those libraries but directly, but they they use a widget library such as TK, QT, FLTK, and GTK, and those have the job of handling the lower layer of communication rendering. And it's the same thing with the Wayland. You 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 just use a higher level library. So let's dig a bit into the details of those libraries. Xlib is the classical client library that comes with X11. As we've said, those libraries help interface with X without having to know the protocol. Xlib first appeared in 1985, and let's remember that, that X was created somewhere around 1984, so it's about the same time. It has a lot of helper features such as complex internationalized input and output, accessibility and integration with desktop environment. Xlib contains an abstraction object or structure called a display. It's a sort of virtual display where graphical operations are done. So you do the, the, the drawing over that display. Xlib doesn't send all the requests the client does directly to the server but stores them in a request buffer. They are then flushed or requested to the X server when the one in the queue before them has received the response. So we say they are blocking. Xlib is mostly synchronous, but the X server replies to the request asynchronously. So the X server is asynchronous, but Xlib isn't. This has caused uh, some issues with certain people, especially in the case of error handling. And this is the major point that made uh, the creation of XCB possible. It was the main focus of the creators of XCB. XCB is pretty recent. It was released in 2001 and it stands for X Protocol C Language Binding. The library aims to replace XLib by modernizing, simplifying and optimizing it. The main goal of XCB is to reduce the library size and complexity and provide direct access to the X11 protocol. They achieved that by doing multiple things. One of the main was to restrict how XCB handles the X protocol, omitting some extra functionality of Xlib. They also made XCB asynchronous, just like the X server is, so why not make the library too? Following that, it goes without saying that uh, this makes it better at handling multi-threaded applications. Also, they minimized the complexity of the X extension libraries. And Xlib, those were moved apart from the main code into their own library, a library for every extension. For example, you have libxrender and libxcomposite. The same was done with XCB, creating libxcb-prefix type of library. However, the extension protocols are not hard-coded. Instead of writing a code for some composite extension, instead you specify the composite extension with an XML description. So XCB is not only lighter, it's also faster. But why is it faster? 
it's faster because it has a slightly lower level API than Xlib. The, all the functions are generated directly from the X protocol description itself. It maps directly into it. There are separate functions to put the request into the outgoing buffer and one to read the result back from the buffer asynchronously, which an Xlib was done by just doing a request and the Xlib was doing the buffer sending and receiving in a queue by itself. This means that there is no queue and thus allow more flexibility. You are not forced to wait for a response anymore and no overhead. That also means that there are less system calls being made when using XCB instead of Xlib and less packets being sent when running over the network. And I've linked an example in the show notes about the conversion from XDPI info, which is a tool from Xlib to XCB. And it, there was a lot of, uh, of optimization uh, and total there was a total of 237 system calls with Xlib and only 62 with XCB. There was uh, 11,554 bytes being sent over the network with Xlib and 7,726 with XCB. And that's quite the big difference. Now, okay, but how would you make the application faster knowing this fact? The truth is you might just need to update your Xlib library because since version of libx11 1.2, Xlib is built as an implementation over the top of XCB. There's also a compatibility layer between XCB and Xlib because Xlib now is built over XCB. That means that Xlib is compatible with XCB because Xlib is written using XCB. Calls to Xlib and XCB can be mixed, so Xlib applications can be converted partially or incrementally if desired. If you want to optimize a slow asynchronous section of your graphical application that was using Xlib, you can find the, the hotspot in it and switch to XCB without much hassle. You just change that specific section of code. With this, you'll have the performance benefit while having the easiness of Xlib. So all of the new window managers using XCB are indeed faster, but in theory you could make the others, the ones using Xlib, just as light and fast if you pinpoint the slow parts and convert them to XCB. And I'm rather interested in doing a benchmark of system calls for all the, the window managers. So both libraries are under the same license, like Wayland and X11. They are also under the MIT license. So they're compatible on that level. libx11, xcb, wayland, and uh, x11 itself, the x server, are all under MIT. Uh, okay, now. However, the only caveat is that the xcb documentation is sparse. There aren't many documentation and tutorial. And uh, the explanation behind this is that it assumes that every xcb function is self-explanatory and directly reflects the X protocol. Let's add a note here. All of the projects mentioned in the podcast are supported by the Xorg Foundation and the freedesktop.org. They're all in the same boat. They want to make the Unix desktop better. They aren't fighting each other. Most of the people working on Wayland are also working on X and, some, and the same goes for Xlib and XCB people. And that goes without saying, now Xlib 
has taken advantage of XCB by rewriting xlib over xcb. The only exception to this rule is mirror, which is now a canonical thing. So that was about it for the definition and general overview of those. Now, what, why should this matter to you? It's confusing for newcomers to understand the flexibility of free Unix graphical environment. It's completely different. It's like, why do you have different window manager? Why does it look different here and different here? So by listening to this podcast, you've, you've got the general overview of what fills what purpose and all the possible ways of doing the same thing. So you, you now got the why and you can now explain to other people uh, why there's the difference in architecture and different uh, possible point of view. Now you can make your own mind about whether you like something or not or whether you like this display server thing or not and you know what to use and what situation and that's about it. Now about the last week review. Last week was about browsers, your window to the internet. I redid the podcast because there was no audio for it. So I recorded it in a new sort of way, just like this podcast. And I got some feedback and people seem to like this better than the continuous talking nonstop. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. And about the what I personally did this week... I'm continue. I'm continuing to update 2BWM. There was the Evo competition, and uh, the results are today. Also, if you haven't seen on the forums, there's Zebra that's doing a networking course, and he has made three sections so far: the introduction, the data link layer, the physical layer, data link layer. So check those; they're pretty nice. And uh, yeah, that's about it for this podcast. Also, if you want to contribute to this podcast, you could do so in multiple ways. Or you can just say thanks uh, or give feedback on the forums or the extended threads or the IRC. Uh, it would be good because it it uh, gives me an uh, appreciation if we're moving in the good direction with this. Or you can uh, add content uh, to the research I'm doing on the extended threads. Or the best way you could uh, help this podcast is by joining me. Uh, To do that, you just have to ask for your key if you don't have one. On IRC or on the forums, you PM me. I'm Vina. And I'm going to give you a key to an interface, which is uh, podcast.nixers.net. You just answer, answer your key there. And you set the schedule for the next week episode. And then at the end of the week, we choose the most appropriate appropriate time. And then that's where the podcast is going to happen. And for more information about the podcast, just go on podcast.nixers.net slash what, W-H-A-T. And that was it. I'm Venom, and this was the Nixers Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and have a wonderful week.